Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Keep Left, the program of the Labour College. In the studio is John Lafferty. Morning, everybody. And myself, Chris Gaffney. And uh, Susanna's pointing to me. Thank you. All right, John, you're going to start. Uh, yeah, I'll just uh, get his headphones on. Uh, yeah, I was going to speak a little bit about... Um, yeah, yeah I was just going to... Yeah, okay. You're, you're on air, you're making... I was going to speak a little bit about uh, the Bernie Sanders at the Democratic National Convention. So this week, the American Democrats held their uh, 2016 convention. Yeah. And... Um, and not surprisingly, Hillary Clinton has now Hillary Clinton has officially won the party's nomination. The backdrop to this was Clinton's rival, and now a man who endorses her, Bernie Sanders. Many people on the left have been inspired by the Vermont senator's campaign. <coughs> it was a long shot that he'd win the nomination, a longer shot that he'd win the presidency, and an even longer shot that he could actually implement any of what are very good policies especially when it comes to uh, health and education and wealth inequality. Despite 13 million Democratic supporters voting for him in the primaries, a mixture of party machinations and large corporate backing has ensured that uh, Clinton is the nominee. As some have said, the big winner in this year's presidential elections will almost always be the military-industrial complex. We know that. But the Republican Party machine, they couldn't stop Trump. He got through despite the, uh, the bosses there uh, trying to prevent him from doing that. Sanders could have won through, but it has now been proven that top Democrats were working all along for Clinton. And this week, the National Committee Chairwoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz has handed in her resignation. WikiLeaks, yet again, detailed how she and others stitched up the vote for Clinton. It was, it was a WikiLeaks. Uh, yes, I know. It was great. Sanders says that what he calls a political revolution will continue. He actually has alternatives. There are other things that he could do instead of uh, just uh, simply falling into line backing Clinton. Many of his 13 million backers have refused to accept the Clinton nomination and for uh, quite some time. Some of them have even said that they'll support Donald Trump. Still others will vote for the barely mentioned third candidate, Jill Stein of the Greens. Jill Steins has pointed out, uh, quite rightly, uh, that a revolution such as Sanders proposes cannot be made from within a counter-revolutionary party. She has said, in a reference to Hillary Clinton, Forget the lesser of two evils. We are the real revolution. It does seem that these days the word revolution has become very fashionable in the United States. The word working class has been used even by Donald Trump, who he, he says he supports the working class. Uh, really? That would be used as a working class? Yeah. But um, so the, the, um, the Greens are a reformist party. Uh, though more in uh, tune with Sanders' worldview and getting to be quite left and uh, 
So the way like some of their stuff. Yeah, they they don't quite haven't got onto the fact that the problem is capitalism itself. Yet. Yes. Yeah. Stein, Jill Stein, just Stein, Jill Stein has actually gone so far as to say that she would step aside if Sanders decided that he wanted to lead the Greens. Right. So that's a pretty generous offer there. Is, and yeah. uh, you know, and you can just imagine that 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 could be a serious third alternative if Sanders was to do that. Now, uh, Bernie. He rarely touches on U.S. foreign policy, which is, of course, uh, of greatest interest to all of we non-Americans in the world because mm. it affects all of us, the U.S. being so big. When he does do, do uh, touch on foreign policy, he is, isn't quite so progressive. Like almost all U.S. politicians, he is a strong supporter of Israel and he has made no criticism that I've seen of Barack Obama's commitment to the military-industrial complex and America's never-ending foreign wars. But we can best understand his, post, his popularity when he, we see him uh, speaking strongly and passionately, as I said before, about health, education and economic inequality, three of the areas which are most important to people of a progressive tendency. We all know it probably won't happen, but if Sanders' platform was actually to be implemented, it would be the most progressive in US history. Uh, I'm comparing... Um, Eras here, well, but the chances of being implemented are practically nil. zero. And yes, nil. but um, well, we, we don't say exactly zero. We've got off some hope. Otherwise, well, yeah, we're but, defeatist. Not, but I mean, but, while, while we still have the two mm. major capitalist parties there, it's not going to happen. Well, there is the Greens. I mean, there, there, there are alternatives. You just don't hear about them mm. in, in the mass media. No. But uh, if Sanders' platform was to be implemented, certainly his domestic platform, it would leave Lincoln and Franklin Delano Roosevelt in the shed. Much of what he said on Tuesday was inspirational. I, I, I like the way he speaks anyway. But it was also peppered with some ridiculous praise for his leaders, Obama and Clinton. That was fairly nauseating, really. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't. It seemed to me to be quite contradictory. Uh, but if you watch the speech, it took three minutes of cheering before Sanders was actually able to speak. And when he did speak, he said this. Some people are disappointed at the final results of the nomination process. But together, we have started a political revolution to transform America. And that revolution continues. Election days Which come and nonsense. go. Yeah, but some of it is, uh, is quite good. Election days come and go, but the struggle of the people to create a government which res represents all of us and not just the 1%, a government based on the principles of uh, economic, social, racial and environmental justice, that struggle continues. This election is not about Clinton or Trump or Sanders or any of the other candidates. It is not about the things which the media spend so much time discussing. The election is about and must be about the needs of the American people and the kind of future we create for our children and grandchildren. This election is about ending the 40-year decline of the middle class. The reality is that 47 million men, women and children today live in poverty. It is about understanding that if we do not transform our economy, our younger generation will likely have a lower standard of living than their parents had. This election is about ending the grotesque level of income and wealth inequality in America today. It is not moral, it is not acceptable, and it is not sustainable that the top one-tenth of one percent now want about as much as the bottom 90 percent. This election must be about bringing our people together, not dividing us up. 
we become stronger when at this point he went through black, white, male, female, mm. and all the different. You know? yeah. uh, but I think it can be summed up, and he should have just said, "We we become stronger when all of us stand together. We become stronger when all of us fight together to create the kind of country we all know we can become." Um, look, I was impressed by a lot of what he says. We have produced by far the most progressive platform in the history of the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party now calls, this is an interesting one, the Democratic Party now calls for the breaking up of the big financial institutions on Wall Street. Can you really now, see Clinton implementing that? Well, at that point, I instantly thought of the words Goldman Sachs. Yes. You know, he could have mentioned Goldman Sachs, the bankers who have financed a whole lot of people, a whole lot of folk in the Republicans, yeah, Democrats, yeah. wherever. But the uh, Goldman Sachs have financed Hillary Clinton massively. Uh, you know, so this is what I thought. If he if he was serious about breaking out the big financial institutions, it would be great. But, um, yeah, like I say, I mean, it's a good platform is what I'm saying. Mm. You know, it's all stuff to what is putting ideas in people's heads that <clears throat> what if we did do this? Oh, right. the ideas are the most important. Yeah, that, the ideas. It's, 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 it's especially for young people, mm. you know, with young people's zest I for change talk, talk for the future. Yeah. But um, he also went on, he said, we call for the passing of a 21st century glass Stigolat. I don't know if you ever pick up or anyone ever picks up literature from the Citizens Electoral Council. Don't. They, they would not, but they've been around for quite a few years, but... They, this has been their number one policy for quite a few uh, for years, for decades, is to have a new Glass-Steagall Act. We also call for strong oppositions to job-killing trade agreements like the TPP. Now, in this policy, Sanders is not so far removed from Trump or Clinton. Trump is a long-time opponent of NAFTA and similar trade agreements, and now Hillary Clinton, while once she was a supporter like her, like her husband Bill, uh, not everyone supported it, but Bill did. Uh, she now stands in opposition to such treaties as NAFTA, and I believe she's against the TPP. Is that right? I th- I th- I'm, I'm not sure. Sanders had to then finish his speech. This is where it got a bit, as you say, a bit sickening. But he had to finish his speech by praising Hillary Clinton, as that was largely the reason he was there, was to give her uh, his endorsement. I've missed a bit out here, actually. I've, I, I, I should have read page three before page four, but I didn't. But it won't make too much difference because it was just more of Sanders' speech. But anyway, look, the thing is uh, that the mainstream media will now spend the next three months remaining of this presidential campaign focusing on the eagles and the billion-dollar campaigns of Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Now, it could be a much closer election than was previously considered. Uh, I had a look at the odds this week at the TAB, and Donald Trump's odds have now shortened to $2.50. But, I mean, the... That's very short. The odds aren't unreliable, guys. They didn't, they didn't have a... Didn't predict a near Labour victory in the last election? No, they didn't predict the Brexit, neither. No, no, so no. I'd go easy on the... Uh, well, the bookmakers can be as wrong as any opinion. I would listen to the t- the bookmakers long before I'd listen to any of these dodgy opinion polls, and I've done opinion polls. But the bookies, <coughs> the bookies, they're going to give you what the, <coughs> the the price is, the way it actually is. They don't chuck money away. That's no, their but business. they can be wrong. No, that's, that's wrong. But they well, can of course be. they can be wrong. Yeah. People can change their minds. Mm. People can, in this case, not turn up to vote, as with the Brexit. Uh, I mean, the, the, the vote to leave 
uh, and the British vote for the Brexit. Mm. The vote to leave was, I think, four or more dollars, you know, and that got up. Trump is coming to $2.50. That's short. Mm. I mean, that's very, very electable uh, where Trump is now. So the, the, the possibility, the chance of a Donald Trump presidency is very, very real. And I've said this before, I want to say it again. What I think could really help to push Trump over the line would be uh, the continuance of these infantile anti-Trump rallies uh, where these morons, I don't care if they burn flags or not, but the thing is that burning the flag isn't a good look in the eyes of an awful lot of Americans. No, no. You no. know, I don't care about it. A burn of a flesh, just a piece of material. Burn it myself, yeah. But yeah, whatever. But I'm not in, I don't particularly want to burn it, but I don't, nothing against it, you know. But um, it, it's a bad look. It's going to, it's going to turn people towards uh, Trump. And attacking Trump supporters at his rallies is not going to do any good whatsoever. And if you notice when they do that, you know what Donald Trump does? Encourages He stopped. He stops speaking. He has a look over at the police, escorting these demonstrators out of the building, and he says, isn't this a great city? And the police doing a wonderful job. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, no, he's not stupid. The protesters are just playing right into yes. his hands. It's really kind of stupid, you know. But uh, the focus on personalities, which we're now going to get for the next three months, and uh, personalities as opposed to what is important, which is policies, is one of the things which Bernie Sanders over the past year has warned against, has railed against, and when they bring up his Judaism or they bring up Clinton and try yeah. to make it personal, he has gone back to the message, the important message. We should keep his warning in mind about the personalities. Intelligent and progressive policies are what America needs, and America's important. The world needs it also at this time. Well, I want to talk about one of the consequences of this this whole American business. I'm not having quite the the viewpoint that uh, John has expressed. But few developments have caused as much upset to advocates of free market capitalism as findings that millennials, that is, very young people, presumably under 25, compared to previous general generations, are exceptionally receptive to socialism. For example, a recent Reason Rupe survey found that a majority of Americans under 30 have a more favourable view of socialism than of capitalism. Well, that's this what Winston Churchill said. He said, a man who is not a socialist when he's 20 has no heart, and a man who is not is a socialist when he's 30 has no head. But he was always an idiot. Yeah, but I mean, it's just... <laughs> some, that's a stupid uh, quote. It's I a stupid quote, but it's, it's following what you're saying there. Well, it is, but... Uh, when you're an old socialist, of course it seems like a socialist. Well, of course it does. Course it but does. the thing is that young people are, are going to be, yeah, tend but, to be more... Yeah, yeah, but that's true generally. But this mm. is different now because mm. it's new. It's not... Young people weren't in favour of socialism a generation ago. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, so it's become... It's a new development. It's a yeah. gallop... The Gallup finds that almost 70% of young Americans are ready to vote for a socialist president. So it's come as no surprise that 70 to 80% of young Americans have been voting for Bernie Sanders, who's a declared democratic socialist. Such, some pundits have been eager to denounce such surveys as momentary aberrations. Mm. Is it, uh, is, it, is it just Bernie Sanders? Is, is Bernie Sanders, that personality, particularly attractive to people? Well, well no, I, th I think it's because the ideas... It's are, the ideas. I think it's the ideas. It should are, be, hopefully. And he's, he's expressing... 
Most of the young people are, of course, too young to be around for Stalin mm. and they didn't experience the Cold War, so they don't know how to be grateful to capitalism for saving them from uh, the Red Menace. The critics, dis- <laughs> the, the critics dismiss the millennials' political leadings by repeating Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan's mantra that, quote, there is no alternative, which has, of course, prompted the extreme form of capitalism we now know as neoliberalism. So we've now quoted Churchill, <clears throat> Thatcher and Reagan. That's right. But millennials, in the most positive turn of events since the economic collapse, intuitively understand better. They're mm. not just doing the young person thing. Mm. Uh, there may not be... Uh, they consider they consider there may not be uh, that it's possible to have more cooperative, non-violent, mutually beneficial arrangements with a better measures of human happiness than economic growth or other statistics that benefit the financial class. In most criticism heard against the millennials, that's the young people's generation evolving attachment to socialism, is that they don't understand what the term really means. Instead, indulging in warm, fuzzy talk like equality, cooperation and happiness. And not necessarily opposition. I wouldn't say opposition to economic growth. Economic growth is part of the plan. Yeah, yeah, but but the young people's emphasis on uh, what what the critics say is warm, fuzzy talk about equality, cooperation and happiness. But that's exactly what socialism means. So they're not stupid. Capitalism has only itself to blame if young people are looking for alternatives. While banks were bailed out to the tune of trillions of dollars, the government wasn't interested in offering serious help to homeowners carrying underwater mortgages. The actual commitment of the US government to the bankers was $16 trillion, um, uh, as revealed by in a 2011 audit prompted by Sanders and others. Facing crushing amounts of debt, millennials have been forced to, to live, still live with their parents and to downsize their ambitions, much the same as happening in Australia. They've had to relearn habits of communal living, making do with less, and they're bartering necessary skills because of the permanent casualisation of jobs. They're questioning the value of a capitalist education that prepares them for an ideology that is vanishing and for an economy and jobs that don't exist. After the Great Depression of the 30s, regulated capitalism did a not bad job of keeping people's idea of happiness in balance. There was job stability, wage growth and opportunities for mobility, primarily directed by progressive taxation and generous government services. Regulated capitalism experienced its heyday in this period. It was a period of growth and the capitalist class could afford to make all sorts of concessions. And this lasted from basically 1945 to 1973, not just in America. So so you're taking it to 1973, and the big story of that year, I suppose, was the oil crisis. Well, the oil crisis, the going off the gold standard. The gold standard, yeah. Since then, the Keynesian insight that a certain level of equality must be maintained to preserve capitalism has been thrown out the door in favour of a neoliberal regime brought into Australia by the Labour government that is privatised, deregulated and liberalised to the point where extreme inequality has now come into being. What is on offer in this election is, on one side, Trump is a return to a regulated form of capitalism, but with a frightening nationalist overlay and a disregard for the environment that's not sustainable. So protectionist. Protectionist, that's right. But a disregard for the environment that's not sustainable. And on the other side, Clinton, a continuation of the neoliberal ideology 
of relying exclusively on the market to make the best decisions on behalf of human welfare. They understand that the reforms of the last year have been so mild, as with the Dodd-Frank build, as to keep neoliberalism in its previous form intact, gathering future cycles of debt, insolvency and immiseration. They haven't forgotten, this is the young people, that the capitalist class embarked on an austerity campaign of all things in 2009 in the US and Europe, precisely what the opposite of what was needed to alleviate misery and poverty. But millennials are done with blind faith in the market. Enough of that as the solution to all human problems. They question whether economic growth should even be in the, the ultimate pursuit of society. Ironically, again, <coughs> it is the extreme form of capitalism that has taken under neoliberalism that put millennials under such pressure that they've started asking these questions seriously. Why not work fewer hours? Why not engage from consumer capitalism? Why trust in capitalist goods to buy happiness? Why not rediscover the virtues of community, solidarity and togetherness? Of course, today many examples of the cooperative model operate in Brazil, Venezuela and other Latin American countries, spurred by resistance to the neoliberal model. The idea is to move beyond money, interpreted in various ways by capitalism, as the sole means of determining of what is valuable in human society. In effect, capitalism is used losing its future constituency, not just in America, but in other parts of the world as well. Young people are much more cynical about the neoliberal project. Can I just say that I don't like this idea where it seems to be, you know, and, and I mean, someone listening to you speak and might think that you're actually conceding that capitalists, the capitalists and, uh, produced wealth. It's the working class under capitalism course, that produced wealth. Capital is dead labour. It's ours. Yes, yes, It's yes. ours. I'm not against the production of wealth. I'm not against no, that. No, nor am I. But it's a growth is fine. Jobs and growth is fine. You know, it's wonderful. But it's not some fat... Uh, you know, Ryan Hart but they don't mean jobs Palmer, and growth. They don't mean whose wealth produces the whose wealth, whose whose money, whose capital, dead labour produces the wealth. But the it's young our people, labour. Yeah, but the young people see that jobs and growth and blah blah is not for them, mm. but for big business, higher profits. Worse wages, wages are now back to the 1966 That's level. ultimately where, well, what it's doing. The job is for uh, us, but the growth is for them and their uh, capital. The current American election is one of the last rearguard actions by the so-called progressives, exploiting the notion that nothing better is possible. And this is the me- measure that's always given to us. Well, you might not like capitalism, but that's the only thing possible. Well, this is what we're, what we're now seeing, and we could see this, of course, coming for quite a few months, that Clinton would win the nomination and Sanders would then have to get these people inside the camp. Well, that's many part of the function that he's performed, and, and that was shown at this convention. This anti-humanism masquerading as pragmatism that is, that nothing is possible, nothing is better, ask millennial young people to buy into the idea that we can only expect the false measures of happiness that capitalism is sold on, that it's all about money. Cooperation is not medieval, it's not tyrannising, it's rather avant-garde, and it looks like the millennial young people are ready to ride the wave. Millennials are famously optimistic, 
Socialism was designed for just such people. Now, can I just... Uh, I found my page three before, and so there's a couple of things I'd like to bring up. Bring, now, I, yeah, me, okay, now I will be. Give me five Now, minutes. Sanders, like, this is a bad part of what he was speaking about. He, he has to do this, I suppose. He praised Barack Obama's turning around of the economy and also praised the president pulling us out of this terrible recession. Now, it just doesn't gel what... Uh, uh, Sanders has been saying all along. No, no, you know, no. I mean, it's been under Obama that we, we've seen the economic inequality. Trillions of dollars we've given seen to banks. That, you know, trillion dollars are giving to banks. Whereas, had they applied, given that to the American people, there wouldn't be a single mortgage left in America. They could yeah. have paid out everybody and given everybody a place to live. So Sanders has contradicted himself in praising Obama oh, yes, there. If he's turned around the economy, he's turned it around for the rich. The top 1% in recent years, as he says, has found 85% of all new income. This is unacceptable. This must change. But to be fair to him, I'm just saying that he's got some good policies. And he does say, if someone in this country works 40 hours a week, that person should be not be living in poverty. The minimum wage must be lifted to a, minim, a living wage. The children of any family in this country with an annual income of less than $125,000 a year, that's 83% of the population, should be able to go to a public college or university tuition fee. And he's attacked the drug companies, saying that one in five Americans are unable to afford basic medicine they need mm -hmm. they need this as life-saving well, the medicine. worst health system in the so, world it, it is ridiculous you know? i just want to talk very briefly about the uh business in the northern territory the mm. absolute dondale dondale mm. shocking abuse of children um as after four corners went to air turnbull joined the new northern territory chief minister giles. adam giles mm. in a damage control operation Giles claimed not to know of the evidence of abuse. Well, this is rubbish. Well, Giles was actually <clears throat> advocating such... A report on stuff. the 2014 incident by the former Northern Territory Children's Commissioner, Dr Harold Bath, was presented to the Northern Territory Government in September 2015, less than 12 months ago. The report rejected the official claim of a riot at the facility and confirmed that boys had been tear-gassed. The report also made clear that the horrific conditions at the centre had long been known. Mm. Bath noted that in August 2012, information came to light that staff were using restraints, but nothing was done. The government dismissed Bath's report as inaccurate, shallow and one-sided. Well, the thing is, if you have mm. a look at these uh, chair restraints, I mean, surely this is a piece of equipment which has to be purchased it has to be brought in, doesn't yes, it? Yes, you'd think well, so. Well, they, they just sneak it in under <clears> the, uh, on the quiet. Giles, who was Aboriginal, sought to justify the barbaric treatment by claiming that people in New uh, Northern Territory were, quote, sick of youth crime, and the majority of the Northern Territory community is saying, let's lock these kids up. Mm. The reality is that these boys are being punished for petty crimes such as car thefts and breaking and entering that have their roots yeah. in worsening poverty and disadvantage, and not just in indigenous yeah, communities. Yeah, but if you get your car well, damaged mm. or stolen, mm. or, you, or you get broken into, mm. this, you, know, you, you want something to be done about it. It's well, happened to me, and, uh, and nothing was done about it. Well, it happened <laughs> to me this morning, actually. So, I mean, we don't, yeah, we don't like to see violent or, or, or you know, well, any, any of these crimes. I know, but this has really got yeah. nothing to do with that. Over mm. the past decades, the Northern Territory's rate of incarceration of Aboriginal people has increased sharply, 
almost 90% of adult inmates are Indigenous. Almost mm. 90%, up from 69% in 1991. Between 2002 and 2012, the rate of imprisonment of Aboriginal women rose by 72%. Mm-hmm. While Indigenous people are being particularly victimised, however, state similar police and state violence is increasingly being, being deployed against working people generally, black and white. Mm-hmm. Governments, both federal and state, have conducted relentless law and order campaigns for decades as social conditions have deteriorated as a result of the austerity and the pro-market measures demanded by the financial and corporate elites. Now, is this just Dawndale, or is there other places where this is going well, on? Well, I think you can almost be certain that it's going on elsewhere in the yeah, Northern Territory. Okay. The shock expressed by Turnbull and shortened over the Four Corners exposure is doubly hypocritical, <laughs> because the Coalition and the Labour governments alike have enforced the equally brutal detention and abuse of refugees, including vulnerable young children. Both parties also oversaw the, new, the Northern Territory intervention a few years ago, a repressive operation from 2007 onward that imposed political, uh, police, military and bureaucratic control over Indigenous communities, all in the name of alleged sexual abuse taking place. Mm. But as a result, not one person was charged with sexual abuse yeah, crimes. Yeah, that's right. Turnbull claimed that a joint federal territory royal commission will get to the bottom of this swiftly and we will identify the lessons that need to be learnt. Such inquiries are long-standing means of diffusing contentious issues, whitewashing the political responsibility and strengthening the powers of the state apparatus itself. Yeah, in a year from now, people have forgotten. That's well, right. When are we going to have a royal commission into that? Whatever happened to that? <laughs> Remember the, the, the Hawke Labor government's 1987 royal commission into Aboriginal deaths in custody, which resulted in no prosecutions and handed down 330 recommendations that have only served to ensure that the killing of Indigenous peoples continues with impunity. So, I mean, it's a disgusting business. And, of course, the long-term solution isn't a Royal Commission. It's to treat the Aboriginal people with some dignity. They must have a treaty. They must have self-determination. And anything else is simply putting off the evil day. All right, people, it's your chance to ring up on any topic, whether we've talked about it or not. Whether you agree with us or not, Jan is willing, to, uh, waiting to take your calls. And Hopefully I'm going to hear them. 